You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to have you all here. Today, we have something really exciting. We are kicking off a new series called Becoming. And uh, over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about not where we're going. Uh, Sometimes we can get really focused on where we're going. We're going to be talking about what we're becoming. And today, to kick off this series, we have something really special. Uh, Normally, if you're you're new here, I'm up here speaking. One of our pastors is speaking. Uh, Today, it's Labor Day. So Labor Day weekend, right? Let's do something different tired of the boring old stuff, right? We're doing six for six. So there's six of us for six minutes. You can do the math. If you went to Latrobe, sorry, Scott, it's 36. <laughs> I went to Derry and we lost to Latrobe last Friday night, 61 to nothing. So this is, <laughs> this is the only thing I can do. So that's what I got. It's all I got. Um, so we are super excited to, uh, to do that. So we're going to kick this off this morning with our six for six. And uh, you ready to go? You're not ready. You're up. You're up. Let's go for it. Good morning. One of the frustrations of life is figuring out how to overcome difficulties, obstacles, and roadblocks. Sometimes it's a diagnosis Sometimes it's a difficult relationship. Sometimes it's totaling your car. Sometimes it's a circumstance that, you, that is beyond your control. And we can spend much of our time and our energy trying to figure out how to get through that season or that moment. Today, we begin a new series, and we want to ask you a question, not how do I get through it? But what can I become by going through it? That's because every situation, every circumstance, the most painful moments of our lives and the most joyous are always an opportunity to become the man or the woman of God that he created us to be. I'm sure you have all heard footsteps in the sand and read the, and read this, um, I know where I am. <laughs> you know, these kids today, I don't know what's wrong with them. They think that I'm not techie. I know I'm techie. I know what I'm doing here, believe it or not. I'm right here, okay? You want to see it? You... <laughs> anyway. I adore my son. I adore my daughter. My kids are, they are mine, but they don't always understand me. Anyway, um, I'm sure you have heard footsteps, read footsteps in the sand. And recently there was a meme that came out and I thought it was really interesting. And it's God speaking to this individual who's going through a difficult time. And he says, my child, I never left you. Those places where you see one set of footsteps, it was then that I carried you. So true. That long groove over there is when I dragged you for a while. (laughs) Quite often, I'm the one that's being drugged 
difficulty can be very hard on us and we don't want to get through it. We just want to stop. But God wants us to look and say, what can I become through this? Every painful situation, every joyous situation helps us to become something. Through the past two years, I have struggled to find out exactly who I am. In reality, I felt as though the major part of me passed away when my husband died a year and a half ago. I decided that God had not created me to be a widow. The best of my life was over. I would live the rest of my life defeated, obscure, away from anything that was productive. But, but, did you know that when we are in Christ and God looks at you, he doesn't see the marred past. He doesn't see the disappointments. He doesn't see the mistakes or the failures. He sees the incredible potential that you possess as his child. He sees what you will ultimately become. God is not finished with you. It does not matter what yesterday looked like. He has a today for you. He has a tomorrow for you. C.S. Lewis once wrote, God, who foresaw your tribulation, has specially armed you to go through it, not without pain, but without stain. I love that. God doesn't necessarily send bad things upon us or cause bad things to happen to us, but he is committed to helping us to become who he created us to be. He can use any and all situations, any and all circumstances to shape you, to mold you, to help you to step into what God inspired your destiny to be. This is what we see in Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So important. What you are right now is not what you will become. It's a path. It's a journey. The God who created you will see the work in you complete so that you become all all that he intended you to do, to be, when you're willing to take the steps that he sets out for you. Psalm 139, 7 through 10, speaks to this, of his ever-knowing, ever-seeing, ever-feeling what you're going through. God's word says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the seas, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is with you wherever you are. He is with you, ready to be your God, your pilot, your guide. Just let him. I love that portion that says, even if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Even if I am in the depths of depression, of discouragement, the lowness, the moodiness, you are there, God. 
You are there, God. When I was a kid, I used to crawl under my bed and just, it was like a, a quiet little seclusion. And I remember many times crawling under there thinking, I'm hidden. And I remember praying, very, very distinctly praying, God, can you see me here? God could see me even under everything. God is with you wherever you go. He is ready to be your God, your pilot, your guide. Just let him. Over the next five weeks, that's exactly what we'll be doing. We're going to be talking about our values as a church, which essentially are the five steps we can take to become who God created us to be. Each week, we will be looking at a different story from scripture that illustrates the steps that we can take. And this is going to be really cool because not only are we going to be doing that here in the sanctuary, but in Calvary Kids, they're going to be walking through the same stories, the same series. In our groups throughout the week, we will be diving into these topics just a little bit further. And each day, we will be going through a devotional series on the YouVersion Bible app together. And each weekday at 6.45, Pastor Nick will be leading a devotional live from our Facebook page. Over the next five weeks, we are looking at these five steps that we can take. And I'd encourage you to join one of the groups throughout the week to dive deeper into these. Number one, start. We start by seeking God and his word and his spirit. Grow. We grow best in the context of relationships. Move. We move forward together in teams Engage. We engage our local and global community to transform the world and invest. We generously invest in what we've been given. Now, have you guys ever been in a situation where you felt like you were in that depth? So low. The, the, the bottom of the pit, the, the end of your rope, the the end. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I was in seventh grade when my father passed away. He and I did not have a great relationship. So the first thing I did when I found out was I went to my friend's house and we played basketball. That was how I got through it. It was in eighth grade where my stepmother she, she was a bonehead. Do we like boneheads, kids? Say, no way, Pastor Juan, right? And she got into gambling, and she would leave me home alone for days at a time. And when, she, when I was in that situation of being home alone, and they knew it was going to be days at a time, the first thing I did was have my friends come over. And we played video games all night long, right? Around ninth grade, I met a girl. And this girl, she really, really liked guys with a tan. So I, got, I was like, and if you don't know, if you're a ninth grade dude, and you got a girlfriend, you got it going. That's, that's a big deal. And, and she, she was, what's the nice pastoral word from the stage? Oh, oh she was lovely. Yeah, she was very lovely. Um, <laughs> But you, 
But like all high school relationships, she, she broke my heart. And is it okay to break people's hearts? Say, no way, Pastor Juan. And so the first thing I did was I found a, a, another friend, and we talked a lot about this situation. And they, they understood me. Her name was Vicky, and she got me real good. So I just talked to a new girl, right? Then in, in 10th grade, the situation with my stepmom did not get better. In fact, it got worse. Like she was arrested. And then Child Protective Services got involved. And they pulled me away from my school, pulled me away from my friends, pulled me away from everything I knew. And then the first thing I did was nothing. Because I had no one. I had nothing to do, nowhere to go. It was in those years where my aunt adopted me. And my aunt became my mom. My cousins became my brothers and sisters. I became a follower of Christ. And and my life changed. Life was good. I went to college and... There was this one phone call we got where my brother was diagnosed with, with cancer, a really, really bad kind, the kind where we have weeks to months. The first thing we did as a Christian family was pray. And so today, we mark the first day of the five is to start. Because so often do we not start with God. We we come to him last. And what I've learned throughout my walk with Jesus is that even if I put him last, he is faithful to see me through it with him. It may not be victorious. It may not be a win. It may not be what I want, but he is faithful to be with me through it. So the question we pose to you is, what if, what if we put God first? What would happen if he was our first response rather than our last? And we're going to look here in the Old Testament, in the book of Nehemiah. We dive too deeply into the story of Nehemiah. I'm just that person that likes to ask why? How do we get here? What's the background? That's just who I am. So let's look at the book of Nehemiah and the history there. So the book itself has a pretty unique history um, because it actually originally was combined with the book in front of it, Ezra. So it was called Ezra and Nehemiah as one book, and then it was later split into two. And it also was originally placed towards the end of what we would call the Old Testament now. But we moved it closer to the rest of the historical books. So it's just kind of interesting because we actually have to look at some of the history of Nehemiah to understand, well, the history of Ezra to understand what is happening with Nehemiah. So around 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon, he laid siege to Jerusalem, which led to its utter, complete destruction. So this destruction, it included the plunder of everything valuable. 
the complete raising of Solomon's temple and the capture of the best of the people of Jerusalem to be taken back to Babylon. So could you imagine this? This is your whole life, everything you knew, absolutely destroyed, including the city where you grew up, the structure of your family unit, the culture and beliefs you held dear, just to be forcefully moved to a new place with the people who just destroyed everything you cared about. This is, in essence, what happened. The people of Jerusalem were taken into exile in Babylon, where they had to adjust to a new language, a new culture, a new belief system, whether they wanted to or not. And that's where the people stayed for quite some time. Generations passed. Then around 50 years later, Persia conquered Babylon. And this started a change in circumstances for the exiled Jerusalem people. The Persian king Cyrus, who conquered Babylon, had his heart moved by God to have the temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. So King Cyrus sends a good number of the exiled people back to Babylon, back to Jerusalem with his blessing, supplies, and the previously captured temple treasures. So the people, they settle into the land around Jerusalem, and under the leadership of Zerubbabel, they begin construction. So they start with an altar to God, and then begin the slow work of rebuilding the temple. And this took place around 536 BC, and you know, it took them about 20 years and some urging um, from the prophets of Haggai and Zechariah for it to be completed. But this is the same temple that Jesus would later be dedicated in. And after Zerubbabel, Ezra returned from Persia with the blessing of the then Persian king Artaxerxes, along with more exiled people and supplies. And his aim was to bring back the teachings of the God of Israel in the temple and the temple traditions and everything that went along with that because Ezra was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses. And then we have about a decade and a half go by after Ezra, and this is where Nehemiah comes in. So Nehemiah was still part of the Jerusalem exiles that were still living in Persia because Babylon conquered them. So they were in Babylon, now it's Persia. But he had the job of cupbearer to the Persian king, Artaxerxes. So both Ezra and Nehemiah being trusted by the king to serve him or to take on a project in Jerusalem is highly, highly unexpected. See, there had been this revolt that took place in Egypt shortly before Ezra went off to Jerusalem that caused the Persians to be very wary and untrusting of all the minority people groups that were living within the empire, including the Jews. So this meant that Nehemiah was living in a land where he was generally looked at as different and untrustworthy. For him to have risen to the place of cupbearer to the king meant that he had overcome a great number of obstacles to gain this position and the utmost trust of the king. So this is where we find Nehemiah when God lays a big project on his heart. And so we pick up with Nehemiah in chapter 1, verse 2, and it says, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah and with some other men 
And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And although Nehemiah was in a place of great uh, position to be the king's cupbearer was quite an honorable and trustworthy thing, his heart was always back in his homeland. His heart was back in Israel. When some men came over his homeland and he asked about it there, he said, the walls are broken and the gates burned with fire. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to us because we don't have walls around the great wall of Irwin that surrounds Irwin and protects us from the, 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 the enemies of Monroeville. <laughs> we don't have that. We don't have big wooden gates that, that shut, you know, at 10 o'clock at night that keep us in. But for them, that was their protection. That's what kept them safe. And Nehemiah heard of that state. He heard of where they were. And he said, this is my homeland, and it's in shambles. And because his heart was there, his heart was broken when he heard what was going on. He was in a place of prominence, and yet his heart was in his homeland. Nehemiah approached life knowing that he had to look to God first. Interesting that here he is serving the king of Babylon but he hadn't lost his relationship with Christ. Can I just interject there that we live in a very fallen and messed up world and we don't have to lose our relationship with Christ because we're living in a broken and messed up world. Can you say amen? amen. Verse 4 tells us he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. That is where he started. The key to Nehemiah's future started with his past. He was a follower of God. He had grown up in the land that God had promised to his ancestors. And when Babylon conquered Israel and took the best of the best, including Nehemiah, he did not lose his relationship with God. A couple of things I believe Nehemiah understood. That fixing the wall was really beyond his capability of doing and and that God was going to have to make a way where there seemed to be none. And two, his trust in God was the foundation of his life, and that is where he started. God can do more in a moment than we could ever accomplish in a lifetime. As, both, as all of us know, life can throw you curves. Uh, I didn't expect in the month of May this year to open my eyes finding it to be two weeks after the last date I remember, being intubated, being strapped down to a bed, and seeing my parents there who live in Florida. What a curveball life threw at me this year. But I remember laying there in that bed and looking at the ceiling and saying, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this, but you've been faithful to me in the past. And you'll be faithful to me going forward. When I couldn't fix it, when it was too big for me, when it was too much to carry, God is where I started. 
and the things you and I face in life, do we go to God first or do we try to figure it out and fix it? Has anybody ever tried to fix it and made it worse? I've done a fair amount of contracting and a lot of what I have done in contracting is going in and fixing other contractors' mistakes where somebody tried to fix it first and did it incorrectly. If we believe that God is all-knowing and all-powerful, then wouldn't it be wise to trust Him first? Isn't that the place to start? I, I, I think in songs a lot of times, and I think this old hymn of the church, really, when we process what it says, it will help us to understand why we need to go to God first. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything. It's in the Greek, you look it up, it's everything. <laughs> Actually, that's not in the Greek, that's a hymn, but hey, it sounds good. <laughs> but truthfully, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer, in prayer. Here's the next part. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So in that first chapter, Nehemiah learned that he had to fast and he had to pray. And through that fasting and that praying, he learned to pray with urgency. He learned to pray urgent prayer instead of mundane, God, fix my city prayers. He knew that he had to be the one to pray for those provisions to go in and to fix his city. In chapter one, he prayed for opportunity and he waited for that opportunity. The Lord then presents this opportunity to him in chapter two when the king asks Nehemiah why he looks so sad. Nehemiah 2.2 says, So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. This gave Nehemiah the opportunity he prayed for to tell the king about what was going on in his city. Nehemiah 2.3 continues on, But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king then asks Nehemiah, what is it that you want? Nehemiah didn't just respond. He prayed, because he knew that he could not do this alone. He knew that instead he must pause first and pray and ask God for the words and the provision. He then proceeds to ask the king. He says in 2.5, I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And because he had the favor of the king, because Nehemiah knew he must pause and pray first, he had to start there with God first, the king granted all of his commands, not only just the time he needed to go back to his city, but letters that Nehemiah asked for to give to the governors, letters that Nehemiah asked for to give to the men that provide the wood to rebuild the walls. The king and Nehemiah then had a conversation and the king gave him everything that he wanted. 
Nehemiah knew because the favor of the Lord was upon him, he would have all that he needed. God provides everything that we need. You see, some would have called this luck, but it wasn't luck. This was God's favor. Favor of the Lord. For when you're in God's hands, favor isn't just arbitrary luck. It's favor of the Lord, provisions from your God. So church, if we want to see the people of this community, our friends, our family, our coworkers, experience this overflowing love of Jesus that we've come to know and that we talk about sharing all the time, we have to start on our knees. We have to start in the same place that, Mia star- that Nehemiah started. If we, start to sh- if, we st- if we are struggling, like I am right now, <clears throat> if we are struggling to figure out our purpose here, we have to start on our knees. If we're going to go and spread God's glory across the nations, we have to start with prayer. We have to start with seeking God first so that God can help us seek those that have not been reached yet. In Nehemiah 2.8, it says, And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. And today, you know, as we look at this, uh, this idea, you know, this past week I was reflecting uh, about my dad who passed away in 2019, and um, almost two years later, it's still difficult. And what makes it difficult is because he lived his life well. Uh, He didn't just survive day by day. We talked about earlier, like so many times we try to just make it one more day, just try to survive. Uh, He didn't live that way. Uh, He lived out all God had for him to do on this earth. He finished well. He received his reward in heaven. And all of us, if we were to be really honest, our, our hope is that when others look back on our lives, that they could say that we finished well. That we, we ran through the finish line. We all want to live our lives in a way where we can ultimately finish well. No one wants to limp their way across the finish line of life, right? And, and this, this is really our entire goal of this series that we're going through today. In this next five weeks. It's to help you identify the steps to live life well. To be all God created to be. To, to fulfill your God-given, God-ordained purpose on this earth. And the first step to finishing well is starting well. We start by seeking God through his word and his spirit. How important is this? It is so important So much more important than anything else we'll talk about for the next five weeks. Because if we don't start right, you'll never live right and you'll never end right. It's so important that over the next five weeks, I have this really ambitious goal. What if we as a church were willing to walk through the Bible together? Like the same stuff together. What if we could take that journey uh, walking through the same things? I, I know some of you are like, but but I'm dealing with different things than other people. I get that. I get that. I, I know we're in different places. We deal with different things. But something I know about Scripture, what I love about Scripture, is God's Word has a way of meeting us where we are and helping us walk through it. If you have a, a smartphone on you today, um, I want you to pull it out. So you have, you know, iPhone or Samsung or, or whatever. I want you to pull out your, your phone. And uh, there's an app that we're going to go through. Some of you might already have it. It's called the YouVersion Bible app. It looks like that. The YouVersion Bible app. If you're online, watching online, you can jump on your phone or maybe do it afterwards uh, if you're watching on your phone. I want you to download the YouVersion Bible app. Um, if you haven't used it before, it's, it's basically an app where you can read the Bible 
You can go through different devotionals. You, you can walk through the Bible. It's a really great app. And, and what we're going to be doing is we're walking through a reading plan together over the next five weeks through the book of James, which the book of James, if you're not familiar, it's a New Testament book, which means it's the second part of the Bible. It's near the end of the Bible. And James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. He was the half-brother of Jesus, not because Mary was divorced, but because if you know the story of Christmas, how Jesus was born, you know, it says that the Holy Spirit came over Mary and, and, uh, and she was pregnant with, with Jesus and uh, Joseph was his father, but not really because Mary uh, was, had, they had not had relations. So uh, it's his half-brother, okay? So James grew up with Jesus. Uh, this isn't just some random guy. He grew up with Jesus. He would eventually become the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And we're going to walk through the book of James, which is an incredibly foundational book of the Bible. And if you have the app or not, if you go to uh, becoming.calvaryirwin.com, becoming.calvaryirwin.com, uh, and scroll down, you'll see the link uh, to the YouVersion Bible app, uh, the, the reading plan that we're going to go through over these next five weeks. Uh, starting tomorrow morning, 6.45 on our Facebook page, I'm going to be doing a live devotional through that series every weekday morning over the next five weeks you can jump on and participate in. And, and the question might be, uh, why make such a big deal of this? Why, why, what's the big deal? Because the first step in living well and ending well is starting well. The first step is starting well. We start by seeking God through his word and his spirit. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you've found yourself coming to this place. You know, maybe you've come because someone invited you. Maybe you just happened to come. Maybe you've been coming here a long time. Wherever you might be on that journey, or your journey of faith or your journey of life, let's start today something new. Let's start by maybe putting the right things, seeking God through his word and his spirit, investing the right things in our life and seeing what God could produce. Maybe you're like, I'm not a tech-savvy person. I don't want to go through this. Um, we have it printed out on your way out. And the tables, we have it all printed out. You can just go through the check off. You like to use your pen and go through a paper Bible and physically do it. You can do that. We want to walk through this together because I believe that God's word can transform us. And what if we as a church could walk through this together. Our kids right now learning the same stuff. This week, we're going to be kicking off groups. It's going to be awesome. Uh, throughout the week, we have different groups. You know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be going deeper into this. And throughout the next five weeks, that's what we're doing. It's going to be awesome. Why? Because if we can start well, maybe we could live well. Maybe we could end well. Maybe others can look back at us one day and say, man, they finished well. They left an impact on this world. That's what God wants to do in your life. This isn't just another sermon. This isn't just another chance to check off a box that you went to church this week. No, we're not really concerned about just coming to church and doing our religious thing. Our passion, our concern is about equipping you to change the world. Let's change the world together. If we're going to change the world, it starts by seeking God through his word and his presence. Would you stand with me this morning before we, uh, we close? We're going to pray. I want to pray that God would move in your life as you seek him through his word, his spirit. This week, here's what I believe. If you're willing to walk through the Bible, open it up on the app or physical Bible, this is what I believe and I know. God's gonna speak to you. You're like, I've never heard God speak to me before. I promise you, open his word. He's gonna speak to you. He's gonna speak to you through his word. 
How remarkable is that? He still speaks to us. Let's walk through it together. I'll tell you the reading plan isn't like you're reading a chapter a day. It's literally a verse, two verses, three verses a day. The the focus of it isn't to read as much of the Bible as possible. It's to apply as much of the Bible as possible to your life because God's gonna speak to you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can start by seeking you through your word and your presence, your spirit. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would transform us, Lord, not for our sake, Lord, not so we could be, a, you know, a happen in church or anything like that, but Lord, I pray you transform us so we can transform our world. God, that in our workplaces, in our schools, Lord, the grocery store, wherever we go, God, that we could be catalysts for change in this world. God, use us to make a difference, but let us start by investing the right things. We thank you, God, for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. God, I pray that your word would come alive these next five weeks. God, that it would be powerful and effective, Lord, to, to guide us and to direct us, to sometimes correct us, to, to illuminate things in our lives that we can transform and change. God, go with us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.